Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hey guys, I am super excited for this episode. We are talking all about exercise, but before we get into that, just going to give you a quick little update about me and what's going on. I am in my last week of school before finals. So finals start on Monday. It is Wednesday right now. Uh, So that's fairly stressful, but I'm feeling good. I'm caught up. I've been battling this wicked, relentless virus that uh, has completely plugged up my sinuses and caused a whole myriad of different side effects. It's been terrible, but that's just the way she goes. So that's been challenging. Um, And just because I like to be real and authentic and not uh, sugarcoat things in in any way, um, I've been touching my face a lot when I'm studying. You know when you think and you like touch your face? So I have like a lovely um, array of breakouts around my chin. So that's just me being real about (laughs) my life and uh, the real struggles we face as a That's a first world problem for sure, to say the least. But other than that, life is good. I wanted to put out an exercise podcast, A, being a personal trainer, and B, because, you know, it's it's so challenging to go into a gym and to see improper training, whether it's individuals training by themselves or even worse, improper training when someone is working with a personal trainer who's unqualified. It is soul crushing to see. Um, So I wanted to, there's a lot of content that I'm gonna try and cover today. But some of the topics that I like to discuss, first and foremost, are goals. Um, And I'm gonna put this in air quotes, but the best exercise programs, the best times to work out, uh, and myths behind those, how to design a program properly. Now, this is challenging if you're a beginner and you're not aware of the terminology that I'm going to talk about, which I will explain, but how to design a program which involves periodization, knowing uh, the modalities that you want to use, sports-specific goals, different goals that you might have, strength, power, hypertrophy, and whatnot. If it's a rehabilitation or injury program, weight loss, weight gain, increasing in muscle, uh, cardio versus strength, high intensity, gym versus no gym. Um, And then how to choose a personal trainer and what to look out for in terms of the red flags that you might come across uh, when hiring a personal trainer. It's a lot to cover, a lot to cover. So let's dive in to the first thing that I wanna discuss. 
overarching for everything that has to do with exercise and how to design a program and what's the best exercise to do and hiring a personal trainer, first and foremost, the number one thing that you need to look at is what goals do you have? What goals do you have? Are they the right goals for you? Are they healthy goals? Are they unrealistic goals? You know, what are those goals that you have for your health, for your body in terms of exercise? Because a lot of people think that they may have a goal, but it's not necessarily the end goal that they might have. And some goals are fairly ambiguous and some goals are shallow and vain and need to be reassessed from a healthier standpoint. And and I'll go over that in a second. So what kind of goals do you have in terms of exercise? Saying that you wanna be more fit is fairly ambiguous and fitness is very subjective. So fitness to uh, all-star track athlete is going to be very different to fitness uh, that your typical middle age office worker is going to experience. You know, what does fitness really entail? What does it look like? That's going to be different depending on the individual. So it's very important to not compare ourselves to one another and really focus on what fitness looks like for you. Now, if fitness looks like for you the fact that you don't want to be gasping for air when you go up a flight of stairs, you don't want your knees hurting walking up a hill or walking in general, maybe it's to be able to get up and down without any pain, to not have chronic muscle aches from a lack of mobility, like there's so many different goals. So first of all, we need to figure out what the goal of exercise is. Now, in terms of general health, that's a really great goal. Again, it's fairly ambiguous, but it is a good goal. And there, we can start with that. We can build upon general health and fitness by building and designing a program that's specific to your needs. And that again is very individualized and there is no one size fits all approach to exercise. There should be no cookie cutter programs because everyone's different. Sure, there's some exercises that will benefit everyone that are pretty like tried and tested, like, you know, lunges and squats and different Pilates moves. Like those are fine for the majority of people, But designing a program is a lot more sophisticated than just throwing some exercises together in a random order and doing that or walking on a treadmill for 20 minutes, doing some sit-ups and leaving. Probably not the best program design. Not terrible, but not the best. So general health is is definitely one goal. Overall fitness is another goal. And like I said, again, that's really going to be dependent on on the fitness level that you have already. Are you a beginner exerciser 
where you've not really ever been to a gym or you have been to a gym, but you don't really know how to use any of the equipment, how to use any of the free weights, proper form, your fitness is going to look really different. Your programming is going to look really, really different from someone who's an intermediate exerciser all the way to advanced sports-specific athlete exercisers. Very different programming, very different approach. Uh, So it's very important that you take that into consideration if you're going to hire a fitness professional to give you a program design, and we'll get into that later. Um, But even more so important that when you're looking online, and I mean, you can find a, a million and one exercise programs but it doesn't mean that they're the best for you. And the only way that you're going to know what's best for you is A, to know your goals, B, to know your limitations, like what kind of injuries you may have that prevent you from doing certain exercises, Um, and then what you really want to get out of the exercise, and if you're able to adapt that program to your body, if it's the best fit for you, or if you can afford to go and see someone to get a proper program or at least to show them the program that you found online and inquire if it is safe for you to do that program. Um, Like I said, if you're an intermediate, intermediate exerciser or an advanced exerciser and you find different programs online, you're going to know whether they work for you or not or you're gonna find out pretty quick by injuring yourself. Um, So I would, this is more for the beginners, simply following a program that someone has put online because it's worked for them, expecting it to work for you is, is dangerous. If you have improper form when you're doing something, it could result in injury and that is, uh, that's, that's a very serious thing to do. I know it may seem like, oh, it's just a few crunches or whatever, but say you have back problems and you're putting, you know, excess flexion through your spine that doesn't need to be there, or you're using too much momentum or velocity and you hurt yourself further. Like what can seem like a fairly innocuous movement could be extremely dangerous for someone if they have a certain condition. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So that's first and foremost, goals. Goals, goals, goals. What are the specific goals? And then what is your level of knowledge when it comes to exercise? And not just knowledge, but gym experience and exercise experience. What is your experience? We say in the fitness world, you have your biological age and then you have your gym age. So how many years have you been dedicated to working out? If you're a newbie and you're a one-year-old in the gym, your programming is gonna look different than someone who is, uh, you know, been in the, in the fitness world or working out or anything like that for years and years and years. In terms of the best exercise programs, and again, I put best in air quotes, there is, Okay, I was going to say there is no best programs. Yes, there is. There is a best program, and it's a program that's specifically tailored to meet your needs, your goals, 
and is structured around your limitations. That is the best exercise program for you to follow. And that goes back to exactly what I have just been talking about. If you don't know your goals or you think you have a goal, but it's not really the goal that you actually have, or you're not aware of your limitations, or you are aware, but you don't know how to work around them, it's very important to hire someone who's qualified that can help you. And like I said, if you, if you can't afford a personal trainer, maybe you could find one to sit down with to give you a program. Now, I'm going to caveat that by saying that is only for intermediate or advanced exercisers. If you're a beginner, do not ask someone to write you a program or do and see what kind of quality of a trainer they are because if they're a good trainer, they will not give a beginner an exercise program without being there. If you have no experience doing certain exercises and a trainer gives you an exercise program and tells you to follow it, big red flag. I would not hire that personal trainer. Um, that is one of the, the things to look out for that I'm going to discuss. So in terms of the best exercise programs, it's one that meets your needs. It is also one that has periodization and that means it progresses and it changes because our bodies are so good at adapting to the stress and demands that we place on it through exercise. So if we're doing the same program for too long, you know who you are and I've been that person too and sometimes I can fall back into that trap where we just go and we do the same thing over and over again because it's comfortable, because it's not super challenging, but our bodies adapt and we're no longer progressing. And actually, if we do something for too long, the same thing for too long, we actually go into a state of regression when we're training our muscles. So it's really important to have that periodization. And that means that one or two of the areas of your program are constantly changing. And it, it may not necessarily even be the exercise itself, but maybe it's the reps that change or the sets that change or the intensity at which you do it. The time, like maybe you do one exercise for three sets of 10, for example, and then you do three sets of that same exercise in a different program. And instead of doing 10 reps, you're doing 30 seconds, right? Like you can change the variables within your program and that can make a dramatic difference without actually changing the exercise themselves. So, and I will, I will talk about the variables in a training program in this podcast soon. So your periodization also has to entail the goals that you have in terms of fitness. Now, this is where beginner exercisers are not going to know if they have these goals. And a lot of intermediate exercisers aren't going to know about these goals either. So there are four different programs to work around when it comes to program design. There's strength power, hypertrophy or muscle building, 
and muscular endurance. And all of these have a set amount of variables and requirements that go into each. So for example, muscular endurance, you would be doing a lot more reps than you would for a strength or a power phase. So these are phases of training. Anything over 10 to 12 reps, you're training muscular endurance. Power and strength are much different. You do a lot less reps, but in terms of strength, the strength phase, the weight would be heavier. So maybe you would do max six to eight reps. And I'd say even more like along the six range. And whereas power is going to be heavy, the reps are going to be very, very minimal. One, two, maybe three. These are your power exercises like box jumps or snatches or cleans or clean and jerks, clean and presses, like your big complex movements, heavy squats where you're going, you know, fairly slow down and powering up. The reps have to stay very minimal in order to engage that energy system that's required of a power phase and energy systems is a whole nother topic uh, and something that we'll slightly touch on. So strength and power and you know, power is more something that you see for your intermediate advanced athlete trainers, exercisers, I mean, sorry. Um, the general population don't really worry about power so much. Hypertrophy is a very common goal for people. And if you don't know what the word hypertrophy means, it means building. So you're building your muscles. And a lot of people think that a hypertrophy phase would be more along the lines of a strength phase. So they treat hypertrophy or muscle building in terms of more of a strength outline. And that's not so. If you want to build muscle, the reps are definitely higher than a strength phase, but they're slower. So in order to build muscle, it's all about time under contraction. How much time are your muscles under that load that's going to build them? For example, a typical hypertrophy phase has a very specific tempo. That's another variable within a program. So that tempo is the rate at which you lift your weight or your body weight or whatever. And hypertrophy, the tempo is slower, usually about a 412 tempo. So when I say 412, that is your eccentric phase, your concentric phase, and your isometric phase. That's what those numbers represent. The first number four seconds is your eccentric phase. Eccentric means down with gravity. So in terms of a bicep curl, which is where you have a weight in your hand and you're curling down your elbows bent at a 90 degree and you're lowering your arm down all the way to straight, that's your eccentric phase. In a hypertrophy phase, that down phase is four seconds long. So your muscle is under contraction for four seconds. 
Then there's a slight pause at the bottom, which is your isometric phase. So there's really no isometric action at all. And then it's two up. Two is usually just slow and controlled. So it's pretty basic. But that four second, that can, sorry, I'm going to go back. The two seconds up is your concentric phase. And that's against gravity. So that's coming up. That down phase, that eccentric phase, that four seconds is what makes your hypertrophy program into a true hypertrophy program. If you're lifting weights in a strength phase, you're generally lifting at a 2-1-2 tempo, slow and controlled, heavier weights. But with a hypertrophy phase, it's much different. You're doing higher reps, like between... 10 to 12, but you're doing them really slow. So actually the weight has to go down. It's not heavy. It can't be heavy because at the end of that rep range, your muscles should be fairly fatigued almost to the point of failure. That's what's going to build muscle. And inadvertently it will build strength, but that's what a muscle building program looks like. It doesn't look like going and picking up a heavy weight, you know, five or six times and taking a two minute rest. Rest is another variable within the program that can change. And like I said, I will talk about variables just in a minute here. So that is how to design a program. And it's very dependent on your goals. And if you guys are interested and you want me to go more into strength, power, hypertrophy, and muscular endurance phases of training, the specific variables and how they change in terms of sets, reps, tempo, and rest. Um, I can do a whole separate podcast on that, but I don't want to take up too much time, too much more time on that. Uh, If you want to get really specific and you want to know about that, I can definitely make a podcast that shares that. Now, if your program has to be, has a specific goal of say a sports specific goal, then that's going to look really different as well. And periodization is essential. Not only that, but movements that mimic your certain sport uh, are also really essential as well. So for volleyball players, uh, I've had a I've had a couple of volleyball players. I've had different athletes, and designing programs has been so much fun because of the different movements that you can get them to do, and that's going to look different. If your program is centered around injury prevention or rehabilitation, that's going to look really different as well. And in terms of rehabilitation from injury, it's very important to work with someone who specializes in injuries, like a kinesiologist or a physiotherapist. That is not your general personal trainer. That is out of their scope of practice. If you have been given the okay to work with a personal trainer recovering from an injury in terms of strengthening the musculature around the injury site much different that's totally fine but actual rehabilitation from an injury requires you to work with a physiotherapist 
Um, and maybe a kinesiologist, but not even that. Like I would say a physiotherapist first and foremost, or an athletic therapist as well. Okay, what next? Cardio. Cardio versus strength. What can we talk about cardio? I, I would like to keep this podcast concise, but cardio, this is another goal people have. And this is a really great goal to have is they want to increase their cardiovascular fitness. And cardiovascular fitness is so important. It's good for our heart, our lungs, our brain, our hormone system. Like getting proper cardio in is essential to a proper program. And a lot of personal trainers do not put in the appropriate types and amount of cardio into their clients' programming. Now, if your client, this is for personal trainers and people who have personal trainers, if you if your program doesn't entail some form of cardiovascular exercise, depending on the phase that you're in, it's not a well-rounded program. And depending on how many times you see your trainer, that doesn't negate you from going and working out on your own without that trainer because most people only see their trainers twice a week. Well, what are you doing the other days? should probably be doing maybe some moderate cardio depending again on your phase, your goals, your limitations. Um, Your cardio is going to look different but there's long slow distance cardio and there's high intensity cardio and that long slow distance cardio can be something that's kept up for a long time as the name suggests and the high intensity cardio is done on a shorter amount of time but the intensity is higher as the name also suggests. Your low intensity cardio sessions can include anything that's basically over 20 minutes is considered long slow distance. If you can sustain something, okay, that's even like shooting it. If you can sustain something, a pace specifically for longer than two minutes, you're working a very different energy system than if you can only sustain something for 30 seconds. Again, we're not going to go into energy systems too long, but in layman's terms, long, slow distance is something that you can sustain for quite a long time. So if you go for a five kilometer jog or an hour long walk, like that can be your long, slow distance cardio. Anything that gets your heart rate up is essential for a well-rounded program and it doesn't have to mean that your heart rate skyrockets the whole time but you know getting your heart rate up is important to maintain heart health and your max heart rate is going to be different depending on your age and your fitness level all manner of things Um, again that's not something I'm going to get too much into for heart rates Then there's your high intensity interval training, and that is usually only sustained for 30 seconds to one minute. And if you can sustain a pace for longer than a minute, then you're not really going as high intensity as you probably think that you are. True high intensity training you will not be able to sustain longer than a minute. In fact, your energy systems 
won't allow you to. You will be burning something different. Your fuel source will change depending on your intensity of what you're doing. So in terms of long, slow distance, the main energy source is fat. So we pull from our fat stores, whereas high intensity, we go into our glycolytic pathways and we take from glycogen stores. So we're burning up more carbs, our glycogen, when we do that high intensity interval training. So the the fuel sources are very different for those types of cardio. And again, it's going to depend on the goal. And just because I say fat is your main fuel source or glycogen is your main fuel source doesn't necessarily mean to only do this one thing for fat loss or to somehow, quote unquote, burn up all your carbs. Like that is not true. Um, Just saying that's not true. Do not take that fuel source comment as this is what's going to help me lose the most weight we'll get into weight loss a little bit. So those are your different cardios. And I think it is really important to move every single day, not high intensity every day. That is not good, but to move every single day. Uh, And that could mean just going for a brisk walk, but really try and get your heart rate up. Like really try and get it up where at least you're, you're puffing a little bit as you're walking. And that's really good to maintain our heart health Walking is highly underrated. It is so good for our health. It's low impact. It's good for our joints. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our hormones. Walking is truly one of our greatest superpowers and something that humans can do and have done and should be able to do large amounts for a long time. Walking is is one of those things. All right, what was I going to talk about here? Fat loss, yeah. So depending on your goals for exercise, a a typical goal that people will have is weight loss or fat loss. And so they think that they need to do, you know, a bunch of cardio in order to lose weight. And while cardio is so important in terms of weight loss, I mean, cardio... you know, for instance, running is one of the most effective ways to lose weight if it's done in conjunction with a healthy diet and not overdone and done with the right form and in the proper amounts. Running is a very all-encompassing way to move. Um, But also making sure that you have enough muscle mass on your body is also essential for weight loss because muscle burns more calories than fat does and it's not all about calories but metabolically muscle is higher metabolically than fat is so in order to really get that shape that we want especially as women and we shy away from weight training but we need to build muscle and have lean muscle on our body in order to have that shape that we want and to create a body that's more metabolically efficient, just to kind of put it in in basic terms. We want to be metabolically efficient. In order to be metabolically efficient, we need to have muscle on our body. And that comes through strength training. And that doesn't mean that you have to lift heavy weights. 
It could mean that you do body weight training, some kind of resistance training, whether it be through weights or body weight resistance, it's really essential. And it makes our bodies look the way that we want it to. We think that we, you know, you, you see someone that has a defined body or defined arms and you think, oh, I want that. Well, jumping on the treadmill isn't going to give you that. That person probably lifts weights. They probably do lots of planks and, and mixed with cardio and have a healthy diet. Like there's so many different factors that play into um, creating more definition in our body. And diet is a huge factor and what you eat is a huge factor. We're not going to get into that in this podcast. Um, but I want to now dive in into how to choose the best personal trainer and what to look out for. Now, in Canada, and I think in most places, unfortunately, personal training is ungoverned, which means anyone and their dog can become a personal trainer in a weekend, which is so upsetting, um, especially for someone like me who has taken proper training. I've been to university. I've done the classes. Um, I'm properly certified. I'm recognized wherever I go. And the amount of training was only scratching the surface that I did. It wasn't like even, you know, there's people that do my program and then they go on to do more specialized programs like becoming a strength and conditioning trainer or kinesiology and doing a master's and like it it's so intensive and so specific that going to school over a weekend and getting quote-unquote certified is very upsetting because not only can you really hurt someone because you're not properly trained but that person is, you're, you're making a bad name. Those people make a bad name for other personal trainers who are qualified. And it only takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch. And you get a personal trainer who is passionate and may have the best intentions, but that passion and that channeled energy can be quite dangerous. So in terms of choosing a personal trainer, how to choose a personal trainer if you can afford it because they are expensive, make sure that they're qualified. Make sure that they have qualifications well beyond a weekend course. Like what is their anatomy and physiology background? What is their biomechanics background? What is their injury prevention background? Are they properly certified in CPR and first aid? And now generally even weekenders need to be certified properly in that. So that is not uh, you know, the overarching qualification to look for. The overarching qualification to look for is if they have proper training, like they have university or college education. Um, and I know that's going to really upset some people who are personal trainers who don't have that. But it doesn't matter how much passion you have and how much something has worked for you or the clients you have worked with. All it takes is not knowing how to train someone or 
having a client that's out of your scope of practice and having you really cause more damage than good to it to completely ruin your reputation as a trainer. So I would say make sure that you get educated. Education is one of the best things and one of the highest things to look for when choosing a personal trainer because they're working with your body. Like if you, if they don't know how muscles work, where they insert, where they originate, how they move, if one muscle is dominant and one muscle is weak and it's affecting someone's posture and the way that they move and how to correct that, I mean, like, what are you paying for? You're paying for someone to actually help you to become stronger. But if they don't even know how to do that and they only know how to put you through different exercises, you're not getting your money's worth and you're putting yourself at risk. So some of the things that are red flags when you see a personal trainer or hiring a personal trainer, and I touched on on one of them is trainers that are willing to give programs or advice that's out of their scope of practice to either beginners or just people in general. Um, if, if you're a beginner and you ask a personal trainer to give you a program and they do and they don't go through that program with you not good not good at all one of my specialties and now I don't train clients one-on-one anymore because I'm back in school and I'm changing my career to uh, become a psychologist but I still love writing programs for people. It is one area in university that I really excelled at. I love program design. I'm passionate about program design, but I would never design a program for a beginner without going through it with them. And if I can't go through it with them, I wouldn't give it to them. I only design programs for people who are intermediate, advanced, or athletes. So those are my clientele that I write programs for. Um, And that's really important to look out for in a personal trainer. Another thing that is a red flag that I see is personal trainers that follow trends. So like if you have a personal trainer that is like only into CrossFit or only into a certain, you know, modality of training because that's what's trendy yeah, I don't like that because that's that sounds to me like a one size fits all approach. If and I've seen this so many times and it's one of my biggest pet peeves is this whole CrossFit for everyone. CrossFit is not for everyone because that means that it's a one size fits all approach. Sorry, CrossFit is not for everyone. And if you find someone that's telling you that CrossFit is for everyone, bad trainer. They don't know what they're talking about. Everyone is different and requires something different. And your program needs to be individualized to you and to suit your needs, goals, limitations, biggest things. And I have said that once and I will continue to say it. Another thing to look for out for in personal trainers is again, unqualified. So if they don't have the qualifications, red flag, Trainers 
that are qualified, but they give the same program to everyone. Now I have seen this working in gyms. There are trainers that were lazy and I'm just going to say they're lazy. They made the same program for everyone. That is not good. That is really not good. Like these people are paying and the gyms that I've worked at, there was one gym in particular that was an executive gym. Like these people are paying enormous amounts of money, enormous amounts of money. I remember one of my clients bought, how many sessions did he buy? A hundred sessions at once. It's just like outrageous thousands of dollars. Could you imagine if I just give that person a program like I'm giving to every single other person and that's just because I don't want to overwork myself? Like, stop doing that. If you're a trainer and you do that, stop doing that. That is not good. And that is not what we learn in order to be a good trainer at all. That makes me really upset. The other thing, and I have fallen victim of this myself, is when something works for us, we we think it's going to work for everyone. And this is another thing to look out for in personal trainers. And I don't I, I don't do this with everyone, but I have been known to do this as a new trainer. I would just give everyone the same program or along the same program that I was doing, especially if they were women, because I'm like, well, it works for me. I'm a woman. That's also not good at all. I definitely don't do that anymore. Like I said, I have been in the, I didn't tell you how long I've been, but I've been in the fitness industry for 10 years. And as a new trainer, I was awful, like awful, even with all the schooling. Yeah, not good at all. But you see this a lot in trainers. They give their clients exactly what they do because it works for them. And like I I keep saying, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to keep saying it is everyone is so different. And depending on their goals, wants, limitations, they're going to require something different. And if you're a male trainer who's 25 years old and in the shape of his life, training a 50-year-old woman who's got weight to lose, it's not going to be the same program that you give yourself. And this is something that I see all the time. And it is so frustrating. And I think, again, the economical part of me is like, you're wasting your money because this person is not taking into account the wide variety of all of the things that they can draw from in order to train you properly. They're they're only using one small set of tools in their toolbox and it works for them. So they think it works, it's gonna work for you. And that's not so either. So that's another thing to look out for is what is their program like? And is that the program that they're just simply giving to everyone? And if it is, not good, not good at all. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for today. We're almost at 45 minutes here, so I'm going to shut her down. But I'm really passionate about exercise, being that that's what I'm certified in. And it's so important that I, you know, I don't want anyone to feel 
discouraged or like, oh great, now all I can, the only way I'm going to get a good workout is to go hire a trainer. And I'm not saying that you can get a great workout and you can do workouts at home. You can go on YouTube and find different workout videos, but just be aware that they may not be the best for your goals or your body or your limitations. And in order to figure out what the best program is going to be for you, you need to know those areas. You know, what what are your goals and what are your limitations? And then just one more thing, and I really wanted to touch on this, um, but the best kind of exercise for you to do is the exercise that you're actually going to do an exercise that you enjoy. And that might mean not going to the gym. It might mean playing a sport. It might mean walking and like not just meandering, but like walking, like brisk walking or Pilates or bar or group classes or spin or like whatever. Like, does it make you happy? Does it make you feel good? Does it fill your soul? Is it something that you can sustain? Or is it something that you dread? And if it's a form that you dread, but you just think you need to do it in order to quote unquote, burn more calories, don't do that. That is not going to be good for your body. It's not going to be good for your health. It's not going to be good for your mind. So the best type of exercise is the exercise that you actually do and the exercise that you enjoy that can be sustained for a lifetime. The best time of day to exercise is the time of day that you exercise. Meaning whenever you are able to get it in is the best time. Any exercise is better than no exercise. I'm a morning person. I know lots of people who work out better in the evenings and that's just the way it goes. There is no one size fits all approach to exercise, program design, or the time of day to train, uh, you're an individual. So figure out what time of day works well for you. I do believe that most people work out better in the earlier parts of the day, but that's mostly a logistics thing because I think people who save it till after work are too bloody tired after work and they just end up not doing it. So it could, it could be because it's just a logistics thing, but that's just my opinion. That's not scientific. That's just my opinion because I like to work out in the morning. So I think everyone should work out in the morning again, probably not the best idea, but the best time to work out for you is when you're going to do it. So that's all I have to say. I'd love to hear any questions, comments, what do you do for exercise? And do you have any inquiries about anything else that we talked about? And like I said, I can put out a podcast that's more specific when talking about the phases of training, if that's something that interests you as well. All right, guys, that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.